Okay, so we are starting episode three, and the topic that has really come to me today is the idea of whether your frustration about a particular situation or your frustration in life <clears throat> at any particular point in time, if that is really rooted in non-acceptance. And I think probably the answer is yes. And it can seem a little obvious. Hey, Shannon, why are you upset about this particular situation? Um, you know, almost always my upset or my frustration or whatever it may be can be traced back to my non-acceptance of the situation. Now, that's what I want to get into a little bit with you here, which is the ideas of non-acceptance. Um, and I want to challenge you to really examine that for yourself. So let's talk through that just a little bit. So non-acceptance to me is a challenge in and of itself. Um, if I'm not in acceptance of a situation and I just uh, reject everything about a situation, that's obviously going to come with frustration because I am in that posture of rejection. So if you have a situation that is happening in your life, uh, small or large, and you decide to stand in non-acceptance of that situation, then your posture of non-acceptance is its own space. Um, it is its own energy. It is its own posture. Um, in other words, if you're standing in non-acceptance firmly, then your non-acceptance of that situation is also the current status of the rest of your present moment. So you can't presently stand in non-acceptance of a situation and also be present fully at the same time. And that's a tough concept to work through. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that you have to agree with every situation. So standing in non-acceptance or acceptance does not equate to agreement or disagreement. So the challenge would be, 
are you able to find presence in situations where you also don't agree for whatever reason with the circumstance that's taking place. So, for example, let's say you're in a situation in your life that you are um, finding yourself frustrated by, you are finding yourself getting out of the present moment because you're thinking about the good things or the bad things that are going to happen as a result of this situation and you disagree with what's happening um, but just because you disagree with what's happening just because you've made that judgment that you're in disagreement with what is happening that doesn't mean that you can't also find acceptance of the situation. So acceptance and agreement are not the same thing. And standing in a posture of non-acceptance and disagreement are not the same thing. So the challenge for today is, are you able to find presence and acceptance fully in situations where you don't always agree with the circumstances. So that would be an exercise for you to go through until we get a chance to visit. something that I always have a little bit of a, of a challenge with uh, and uh, a struggle with um, and, and I'm sure I'm not the only one but um, you know I, I think that you know trying to really get into a lot of the things that I ask of myself and that I tell myself and that I imagine for myself, imagine uh, is going to come up today, um, is, um, you know, I find, I find so much of it unexamined. Um, and I also find that interesting because I, I feel as if I've put a lot of thought into my life, which, while may be true, um, it really begs the question, how much of it was productive thought, um, or high-quality thought? Hmm. Let me show for another day. Um, but, um, you know, so... You know, along those lines of always asking myself and, and looking to see, um, you know, um, 
and by making progress. And it's it's just such a strange thing to even ask because it's like, oh, I'm you know, it's not about making progress. I, I shouldn't be, you know, worried about making progress. That's just another thing that you substituted for whatever it is you were trying to make sense of uh, from before. Um, not untrue. Uh, therein lies part of the challenge as well. Um, but I think for today, the thing I wanted to really uh, talk about and and get out there uh, for for input is this idea of being imaginative and using your imagination. Um, and you know, how does that work with a present moment practice. So if, if you're saying to yourself, okay, I feel like being imaginative and being able to express my imagination and my, my creative part, my, my imaginative juices, my creative flow, if, if I feel the value in that, um, and so I, I feel drawn to that. And I think we've talked on the show before about how it is something that happens when you are doing creative things. So oftentimes if you're creating art, if you're painting, if you're, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you're right there. I mean, you're there. Um, and so I think that, uh, that, that that these two sort of coincide in this way. Um, and so we all agree, or I, I don't know, I mean, I, I think I believe, I mean, I believe this. I, I don't know for anyone else, but um, I believe that imagination is the best way I can describe what you've got to have available, what bandwidth you have to have available to envision that next thing, that next, um, that next evolution, that next step. So therein lies the challenge. If I believe that that is true, and I do, and I believe that that is something that needs to be pursued, and I do, then I think about a present moment practice, and my present moment practice is going to encourage me to not spend too much time in future where I'm missing the most important important moment, which is the moment that's happening right then. It's like literally the only moment that I have. And so, you know, that's that's a little bit of a paradox, and, and especially for someone that's um, that is just really starting to to dive into a present moment practice like this, um, you know, these are some of the things. And um, it, it's like, okay, well, in the present moment, I need to make plans. I need to um, be able to have the ability to plan into the future. I mean, I, I, I do believe that, that there's, you know, more days ahead that have to be planned for. I mean, you know, it's not like uh, that goes away. Um, but that's where imagination comes in, in that 
when I really start to think about the future or I get out of the present moment, the first thing is I start to um, I start to um, get a little more um, off base or a little more anxious or a little bit a little bit I don't feel quite like myself or things just aren't quite kind of coming together and it's it's a situation where you've you've kind of gotten off track um, and can't quite figure out um, you just can't quite put your finger on why that is and you're just not lined up and you've got to be able to imagine another way for things to be you've gotten frustrated, stagnated, stuck, and there you are, unable to move forward, not feeling like yourself, not really understanding why some of your actions and thoughts and things are not lining up and you don't feel very present, then you've got to be able to imagine something different. So in the imagining of something different, then that has to happen in the present moment. But in the present moment, if I'm supposed to be able to just be in the moment, then how do I put together the thoughts and the plans that will address this disconnect? Um, because I'm stuck and I don't know how to move forward. So I think maybe the other answer would be that if you get present in that moment when you're stuck, then you'll know what to do at that point because you'll bring presence to the situation. Um, and you'll then not feel stuck because your presence has transmuted that feeling of being stuck to accepting what the situation is. Uh, and so maybe that's the answer is that bringing presence to that original situation is what would what is is what the imagination would bring uh, to imagine it being something different because I think in the imagining um, it's easy to just replace one thing for another thing um, you know so I'm stuck and um, I've got to imagine something different, so I'm going to replace my, you know, um, my, you know, addiction to exercise with my um, movie watching or whatever it may be. But you just, you know, I can't really think of a good analogy, but you just are trading one thing for another thing. Um, and maybe that's why it seems such a, like a challenge to me to figure out how to stay present and then also not get carried away into the future as a way to remedy. Uh, and I think maybe I've answered my own question, which is I have to learn to bring presence to that original situation. And that's what allows that gateway for quote unquote imagination uh, to take over and, and paint a different picture. All right. Okay. Well, there you go. Let me know how your own uh, challenge and struggle goes with, um, being able to imagine and where imagination comes in uh, to play uh, with your presence practice. Talk soon.
Okay, so I want to talk about seeing yourself in others. And this is a concept, um, an, an edict, um, a proclamation, uh, 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 you know, whatever whatever term you want to use, an urging, uh, a lesson, uh, any any of those things that you want to say. But I think most people would agree that being able to see yourself in another is probably a very worthwhile pursuit. And I say it like that, and I know that sounds a little strange and a little stilted, like, well, of course, Shannon, that is a pursuit that would be a good one to undertake. I mean, who who, who thought that it wasn't, right? <laughs> Who's the one that said, you know what? I have got no value whatsoever in my ability to see myself in another person. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think that's probably going to be, um, you know, some basis of empathy. I mean, like, there's so many things that make that... Um, an obvious statement on one hand. Um, however, the reason I feel like it's important to talk about, and it's important to talk about in relation to a present moment practice, is that, you know, it's one of those things that's easily said, um, but is it so easily done? And it's one of those things that I can say the words very simply, but when I think about what it really means, things get less simple. So let's talk about what it means to you. So first question would be, do you believe in general that the ability for you to see yourself in others is useful. I mean, I, I think that's the first thing that you have to ask yourself. Is my ability to see myself and others a useful skill? Or a value? Or deepen my understanding about my human journey? Um... So, so let's kind of dig into that for just a minute. So, you know, if you're asking yourself the question and you're confirming, yes, that's good, then I'm going to challenge you a little bit here on this point. So, um, you know, and, and hey, listen, you don't come somewhere uh, to go down the journey and go through the journey of a present moment practice and not be challenged. Right. I mean, that is that is that is what's going to happen. Um, it's challenging for me to do the show. It's challenging for me uh, to get into these topics and I challenge myself. And so I'm going to challenge you along with me. So let's talk about this a little bit. And, and if you ask yourself, 
of course I think it's good to see yourself and other people. That's how you, I don't know, fill in the blank, dot, dot, dot. You know, what would that answer be? So, you know what? I think before we go any further, I need to really stop and spend a minute on this, this section and this idea of challenging you around this topic and to dig down a little bit deeper. So if you say to yourself, hey, I absolutely think that being able to see myself in another person has got value, I believe that because now most people would probably say, well, it's because I have you know, a deep abiding love for all of humanity and um, I know that I can only improve myself by seeing the reflection in others. Like there's any number of answers as to why that becomes important. But I would say that'd be the first thing. And if you know why it's important to you or you think that you know why it's important to you or whatever you see as that value, message the show, message me and let me know Hey, Shannon, I think it's important to see myself and others because dot, dot, dot. So fill that in and send that to me um, because I think if I'm completely honest, which, um, which that's part of what this whole journey is about, then I've not always had such an altruistic answer uh, to that question. So... I would say that my desire to see myself in others or my um, priority on that as uh, something that I do is probably probably started in more of a survival mode, meaning I can imagine that as I was building that skill as I was building that ability as I was beginning to lean into the responsibility that I had to sail my own ship be in dominion of my emotional and psychological and physical well-being and welfare maturing etc that along those ways and it probably started long before I was actually you know, the the one fully responsible from that standpoint. Now, again, that's another uh, another discussion, which is, are you 100% responsible for all of your life situations? We'll get into that topic another time. But uh, on this topic of seeing yourself and others, I would say that a lot of it for me was a survival mode. I mean, you know, now I yearn for the ability to to be good at and practiced at and understand fully what the impact is of being able to see yourself in another person. But it wasn't always the question I was asking myself. You know, for a long time, I feel like I was asking myself the questions, how can I identify with another person so that I can then use, manipulate, somehow affect the situation so that it protects my survival. So if I've not gone beyond just 
food, clothing, shelter, those basics and or those survival needs are front and center. And I've not begun to understand that there's a level beyond the surface, then a lot of my ability to see others, the ability to try to see myself in others, all of those things centered mostly around survival, actual physical survival, where it became not a way to become closer to presence or to let the light of God shine through me. Um, it was not more a recognition of the uh, magnanimous life force that is in all of us continually evolving. It was more a matter of if I can understand where this person is coming from, where they're going, then I can intertwine my own survival story with theirs in a way that helps me continue to survive. Now, that can be manifested in a lot of win-win situations. So if I'm looking at it saying, I need to understand where these people are coming from and where they're going so that I can intertwine their journey with mine so that I can increase my ability to survive, that's all actually happening. Um, those are actual assertions. Those are actual ways that your brain will work and that my brain worked to try to ensure my survival. What I didn't realize at the time was that I didn't even know exactly what questions to ask. And so when I look now and I say to myself, hey, you know, my ability to um, continue to evolve is going to be dependent upon my ability to see myself in another. Um, the questions have changed so radically that it's given me uh, really different answers. So I challenge you to ask yourself that question really deeply. When you throw something out there like, oh yes, I want to be able to see myself in another. Dig down and challenge yourself and, and, and ask yourself what are you really asking and then see if it even begins to change some of the questions that you may even ask yourself. Okay, so we're going to pick back up with this topic of seeing yourself in another. I think it's super important. I think a present moment practice um, has got to uh, involve and encompass the ability to see yourself in another. So the question really became, and in, in what it evolved to, is this discussion of what does that really mean when you say, I think it's important that you try to see yourself in others or try to see yourself in another walk a, walk a mile in their shoes you know any number of ways and any number of things um, have been said and can be said to talk to that idea or that concept of be able to relate to another person see yourself in another person have empathy uh, so on and so forth so I think it's a fascinating topic. I think the other thing is that um, I've found that when I started to ask myself what that really means and 
um, what I think about that and how I do that, uh, I was surprised by some of the things that came to me. For example, when I think to myself, okay, Shannon, um, it is crucial that you're able to see yourself and others and see that there is not a difference between the life force that is in that other person and yourself. So um, several of my spiritual teachers and people that I listen to and and respect tremendously have talked about this and talked about different analogies that they can use uh, and people have used different analogies to point to this idea um, of this oneness that we all share. So I'll get into some of the other analogies as we get a little bit deeper into the series but for now uh, suffice it to say that it's the concept that we are all of the same we all are of the same life force. We all have the same God, the same benevolent life force, the same uh, universal move to its inexorable uh, high uh, or its inexorable good. That's what I believe. And so all of this is happening underneath. And when we look over and we see another person, we may be thinking to ourselves, oh, I want to see myself in another. I want to relate to them and I want them to relate to me. Um, and as we got into the last discussion, it became apparent that one of the things that I had done for many, many years um, was not really seeing myself in others or seeing others in me as much as trying to assess everyone, judge everyone, and not judgy in uh, a judgmental way of uh, putting someone down or uh, being mean or judgy from that standpoint. Uh, but if I'm honest, judgmental nonetheless, meaning I wasn't really being present and seeing myself in others. What I was really doing, I think, and I don't know how much I don't still fall uh, prey to this type of thinking, probably way more than I would uh care to admit but you know when you do a Facebook live it's a little hard not to but um, and that is um, you know how much of it is making judgments and assertions based on my knowledge of life and how I'm still trying to tie that all into this navigating of a human journey of a physical journey uh, rather than uh, being present and just being in communion with this other life force. Um, and so, again, um, I, I, I'm challenging you and I'm challenging myself to ask yourself, what do you really mean by that? What is it that really is is that is you're hoping to achieve or hoping to find? Uh, or is it just that you want to be present? Because I do think part of a pra practice and part of being in the present is the ability to see that life force in another person without judgment and seeing that that is the same life force that is in you. So when I look at someone or I'm trying to see myself in others, I have such a difficult time getting through all of my judgments to get to presence, which I think probably points to one of the things about a present moment practice that makes the practice itself 
so crucial, which is whether you're trying to see yourself in another or you're trying to relate to another or you're trying to be empathetic with a situation. All of those things are also these judgments. And that's where I run into such a challenge in trying to get present and also get present in the in, in, with while also recognizing that presence in another because it's so hard for me to not judge the situation and again I don't mean um judging um in a negative sense or a positive sense but judgments nonetheless so if you're ascertaining what do I think this person's financial well-being is? What do I think this person's education level is? Uh, what is their citizenship? Are they from, you know, like all these different things. Are they male? Are they female? Like all of these things are there. They're just ubiquitous in the process of seeing another person. If you see another person, the very idea that you're identifying another person with whom you are trying to connect and and relate to well that um that person um the fact that you're seeing the person automatically imbues some tendency to judge the situation meaning they're either shorter than you or taller than you or they're standing over by the store or they're standing by the bus or that, you know, like there's, it's almost impossible in my mind sometimes to escape the judging of the situation. Now you're not saying, Hey, they're standing by the bus and they are wrong to stand by the bus. Or you're not saying they're standing by the store and they're right to stand by the store. So you can remove some of those sorts of judgments fairly, um, you know, at least you can start on that process a little bit more easily than literally being able to make the situation completely devoid of judgment. That is very difficult. So I'm in the process in my practice now of trying to find ways to extend my recognition of the life force that I share with the other person while also diminishing the parts of that interaction that are tied to my judgments of the world or things that are fleeting or things that are impermanent, which is everything that we can see. So that's part of the practice and part of what I want to do is, is challenge you in your practice and challenge you uh, in this way to mindfully over the next however long try to connect with the recognition of the life force in another person. Uh, I don't, you don't even have to have an interaction with that person but the idea is to practice, to practice the practice. And so um, what I want you to do is really uh, try to observe some people as you're going throughout your day and really try to see yourself in that other person. Really, really try to see yourself in that other person. You can get past the, the big judgments pretty quick and, and get past those stumbling blocks. 
but then I want you to get into some of the real uh, challenges that you may have in finding presence as a as finding presence as you are observing yourself in another person um, and seeing yourself in that other person. So um, that would be the exercise and the challenge. First of all, ask yourself, what does it really mean when you talk about seeing yourself in another? And then challenge yourself to actually try to see yourself in another and see if you're surprised by how it feels and some of the challenges and stumbling blocks that you may have in this very important part of a present moment practice. All right, welcome to this section of the afterclose, a present moment practice. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, a, a very important question. Um, that uh, everyone needs to ask and or you know should ask or you may consider asking and the question for today this this particular section has to do with mastery of self and you know the the real question is you know what is mastery of self and how do we do it so i want to bring up a couple of things for you to think about a couple of things for you to share some feedback with me on um, if you have any tools that you use or things that you do or thoughts that you have to share uh, please just let me know we'll get into it on the show um, but the idea of self-mastery so I, this has got some interest for me because I see quite a few shows or podcasts hear podcasts and listen to podcasts um, I say quite a few. I really am not a big consumer of, of podcasts, um, which, you know, if I have anybody that continues to get any value out of the afterclose, uh, it definitely won't be because I've <laughs> been able to style my uh, podcast like uh, like any others that are out there probably just, just simply because I just don't really know all the all the rules of the road but what I do know is I do know that I've got uh, a very important uh, message to share with everyone that also wants to share that message with me but I did recently see a little bit of or hear a little bit on a podcast uh, it was the Rich Roll podcast and uh, the discussion was about mastery self-mastery um, and of course um, you know the the topics get into a lot of psychological um a, a lot of psychological you know i won't say tricks they're not really tricks they're methods and uh realizations and discoveries about the self <clears throat> that will continually give you new things to work on and new things to improve on <clears throat> but i think that's the point of the show today which is what is mastery of self so I believe that before you can master anything else, you have to be able to master the self. Now, I say that, um, but I don't know that I know exactly what that means. So, for example, 
if you want to improve some area of your life, then there's going to be methods. There's tips, tricks, tools. There's, there's real methods. So if you say, hey, I'd like to lose weight or I'd like to you know, fill in the blank, make more money, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. There are going to be people who have laid out plans for how to get there or uh, how to stack habits to create change in your life or how to set a goal and take that goal uh, on and, and, you know, different methods and different um, ways to approach obtaining goals and those sorts of things. So all of those things are valid and very useful in improving your life situations or your life circumstances or your external life. Um, and that can be a sort of mastery. Where I'm wondering where this all goes is what does mastery of self really mean and how do we measure it and how do we know if we're making any progress? So this goes to the heart of the concept, which is how do you know if you're mastering yourself? In other words, if the story that you tell yourself is the story, that is what happened, and that is the event, and that is a creation of your mind, of your consciousness, your essence, your feelings around a particular situation are what make that situation. So um, let's say, for example, you decide that you want to master yourself and part of self-mastery is becoming a brilliant artist. And let's say you become a a painter, you begin painting, and at some point you then can say to yourself, okay, I have mastered that and I look at this art that I've created, I look at these paintings, and to me they're masterful, there is no improvement to be made, there is no, you know, they, they, so I have become a master of my own art or I have become a masterful artist or you know like fill in the blank well that's you telling yourself and creating a circumstance that you then agree with as mastered so you can see obviously where some breakdowns come in that right so for example just because you created it told yourself that you mastered it and then consider yourself to be a master does that make it true? <laughs> right? Um, now, uh, you know, but does it not? So, you know, in art especially, you had this huge swath of subjectivity. Um, and I think that a lot of life's pursuits, a lot of our physical world outside of ourselves is way more subjective <clears throat> than what we really think. Um, there, you know, your subjectivity and your present moment practice and your pursuit of self-mastery and or any of those other things does not bend facts 
or change the truth. However, the story that you tell yourself does become very important. So the question for today is, what is self-mastery and how do you know if it's happening? So I, I want you to, to go through this exercise where you envision any area of your life that you want to master in your mind. If it's your physical, mental, emotional, psychological, financial, uh, relational, whatever area, just pick one. And over the next handful of days, really ask yourself, is mastery in this area something that I really want? Is it something I've really decided that I, that I want, that I, that I really want to be masterful in that area, or I want to master that skill, that craft, that understanding, that knowing, whatever it may be. So once you've identified that, and then you start to think, okay, so what are the things that will show me that I am mastering that particular skill? And then you start to build some thoughts around that, some ideas around that, some um, things to do to make that happen. And some things to, you know, like you start to build all of these things around this desire to become masterful at dot, dot, dot. So my contention would be that if you really get down to the essence of what you're describing, any life circumstance that you picked, anything that you wanted to say you want to be a master at, then I would contend that you are not going to be able to master that if you have not first mastered yourself. If you have not mastered yourself and know yourself even if you were to hit the benchmarks of mastery that you imagine for yourself, hey, I want to um, shoot the best golf score I've ever shot in my entire life, and that will make me amazing, like whatever it may be. If you've not mastered yourself, then your imaginings of what you think you would want to master are most likely not going to match up with the mastered self. So it seems to me like mastering yourself becomes the chief pursuit. Then it may result in some level of mastery of the things outside of yourself. That's up to the world and not up to you. You don't get to determine whether you are a master in the world's eyes because that's up to the world. The thing that you are charged with is self-mastery. The thing that you are charged with is understanding your present moment and what you can do in that present moment. So I would ask you to take a look and ask yourself if there are any areas of your life that you want to improve. I would trace that all the way back to the self and then start there. And then you may find that the results are different than you expected. Not really sure how that's going to turn out, but what I do know is I do know that 
even if you got to the end of mastery and you did it without mastering yourself, you'll never really understand how that happened, why that happened, and what the benefit was, and the further um, the the further implications of whatever thing that you have done. So, question is. What is self-mastery? What does it mean to you? If you have any comments or suggestions about what it means to you or things that you do to work on self-mastery, let me know. It is a work in progress. That is why we call it a present moment practice. So I'm going to continue to practice today on my uh, self-mastery and the answers to these questions. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, joining me uh, uh, this week on this week's uh, episodes and uh, and parts and if you have any uh, additional things to add uh, message me we'll get into it uh, on next week's uh, show so we will see you back on Monday and uh